Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another spectacular installment from very high above all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media. This is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver cowboy state politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. Last night, I finally got to see Sound of Freedom. And I'm telling you, my friends, if you haven't seen that movie yet, you absolutely have to. It will affect you in a very profound way. If it doesn't touch your heart, then I'm pretty sure you have an icy soul. And we probably ought to talk about a couple of things because you may not be a very good person. I'm telling you, it's an amazing story and you absolutely have to go watch it. Sex trafficking is something that happens in every state. Yes, even in Wyoming. It happens in many Wyoming communities all across the state. Think about communities like Buffalo that are at the intersection of two major interstates, or Cheyenne, or Casper, or Rollins. And the problem is, we're talking about the bottom dwellers of our society, the lowest form of life. They're very adept at keeping everything below the radar. And in some cases, as we learned from the whole Jeffrey Epstein affair, some traffickers are protected by those in power. It's just plain evil. All of it. It's absolutely a movie that you have to go watch. When I got home from the movie, I bought four tickets for the Centennial Theaters in Sheridan, and we're going to give them away on the program. Here's what we're going to do. I need you to post that you want to go see Sound of Freedom, and you need to tag Cowboy State Politics and Sound of Freedom. The first four posts I see like that, I'll send you a ticket. All of the tickets are for Friday's showing of the movie at 7.20. They're great seats. They're right smack dab in the middle of the theater. You, couldn't, you can't get any better than that. So do a quick post and you get a free ticket to go see the movie in Sheridan. Moving on. Though it doesn't happen very often, I too make mistakes. And I made one on Wednesday. It's been such a long time since I've had to issue a correction that you've probably forgotten how I do it. On this program, I always lead with my mistakes. And the reason I do that is my credibility. Everybody makes mistakes, nobody's perfect, and there's only one being who is, and none of us are him. On Monday's program, I was running down the list of conservatives in the Wyoming House of Representatives for you, and literally what I was doing was reading right off of yoledge.gov. I thought that I was saying John Winter, when in reality, I actually said John Eklund. John Eklund is not and never has been a conservative. While he's a nice guy and everything, he's a straight-up redcoat. He's a registered Republican, but he sure as heck doesn't act that way. The guy's voting record is abysmal. Now, John Winter, on the other hand, is a very conservative legislator. He's got a pretty big district. It's parts of Bighorn County, Fremont, Park County, and Hot Springs County. And all of those people should be very proud to have John Winter as their representative. So, my apologies for the error. I'll try better not to do that in the future. And my sincere apologies to Representative John Winter. You're a pretty conservative guy, and nobody should compare your voting record to John Eklund's. Nobody. 
This also means that we need to update our almost always right percentage number. And I should probably let you in on how I determine that. It's happened so rarely on the program that there has only been seven corrections that I've had to issue. There have been 468 episodes of Cowboy State Politics. Wow, 468? That's kind of a big number. This one is number 469. Now, when I make an error on an episode, and it doesn't happen very often, and let's just be perfectly honest, my track record is infinitely better than anybody in the Wyoming mainstream press, though they would never admit it. So anyhow, when I make an error, I just assume that the entire episode is out the window. So that means that there have been 461 episodes of Cowboy State Politics that have been absolutely dead center. Do the math, and that means that I and this program are documented to be almost always right 98.5% of the time, always endeavoring to improve that number. Cataclysmically better than anybody in the Wyoming press. So it kind of begs the question, why even pay attention to this number? Nobody in the Wyoming media issues corrections, and if they do, it's something stupid like... We reported yesterday that John Smith was pulled over for doing 79 in 75. He was actually doing 78. We apologize for and regret this error, blah, blah, blah. And if they do issue a correction, which is almost never, it's in some inconspicuous place so you don't notice. But everybody should admit when they make a mistake, it goes to your credibility. Because like I said, nobody's perfect and certainly those in the media are not. In the words of a friend of mine, All journalists print corrections and retractions. The best journalists. Enough of that. One more brief story before we get to our discussion with Wyoming State Auditor Christy Racinus. It would appear that the Wyoming State Library, that's what I said, the Wyoming State Library is offering classes to train you how to be a Democrat politician and run for office. Oops, uh, what I mean is to fight against the far right. That's an exact quotation, by the way. Tomorrow, the State Library is offering a free online seminar entitled How to Run for Local Office, presented by the Every Library Institute. In the description, and I quote, We are seeing a coordinated attack on Americans' freedom to read in school and public libraries through the proliferation of far-right elected officials. If we want to fight back against these attacks, we need to elect people like you to local office who care about ensuring that Americans have the freedom to read. In this session, you'll hear from Craig Valdez. We're going to be looking into that, that fellow or whomever you will have present, from runforsomething.net about what you need to do to get started running for local office. Get yourself elected and help put a stop to book bans and censorship. End quote. One more time. Nobody is banning anything. Hustler isn't banned. You just can't pick up a copy at the local library. And what is it that the Wyoming State Library is sponsoring classes to train people how to run against, quote, far-right local officials. If these folks at the library are so interested in keeping politics out of our learning institutions, why are they furthering political activism inside the state library? Wow. 
Now, I've posted a link to this little advertisement at the website, CowboyStatePolitics.com. I've also posted a picture where you can just read that one particular section that I quoted. I'm going to be looking into who authorized this stupid class. And since I had just finished interviewing State Auditor Racinus, I asked her exactly how much we paid for this class, and everybody at the library insisted that this was offered free of charge. But you still got to pay for the building, you still got to pay for people to monitor this thing. So I'm going to put it all together, and we're going to find out how much and who is training Democrat politicians to run for local offices. This is absolutely disgraceful. But it is exactly in line with those people who are in power right now. It never ends with these Marxists. Ugh. Before my head explodes completely, let's take a quick break. In a moment, we're going to talk with Wyoming State Auditor Christy Racinus. But first, an absolutely obscene profit timeout. Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by Morton Buildings. Welcome to Morton Buildings Lessons in Classic Values. Lesson number 27, Chivalry. Gentlemen, if you'll notice, the rain has subsided. But that doesn't mean that the mud has. And you, sir, have been making that dear wife of yours trudge through the mud every single day as she walks from her car to the front door. This is specifically the reason why you've been relegated to the couch. Now, to prevent this unfortunate circumstance, you should contact Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings. Their phone number is 307-674-2532. Tell them that you need another garage, and they'll handle all the details. That way, the dear wife can park her car inside the garage instead of out front, and you won't be left sleeping on the couch any longer. This has been Morton Buildings' Lessons in Classic Values. Contact Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings at 307-674-2532. They're the experts in metal building construction, and they'll definitely keep you from sleeping on the couch. Well, as far as the parking situation is concerned, anyway. It's Wednesday, my friends, and that means it's Gun of the Week time from Gunrunner Auctions. The Gun of the Week is one for you 22 fans. It's lot number 165. It's a Ruger 1022 with a specialized laminated wood stock. This is a very pretty gun. It's serial number 2487002. It's in excellent condition with the 20-inch heavy Ruger Hammer Forge Spiral Target Barrel. It's got an excellent bore and the bluing is 99%. The thumbhole laminated stock has a black butt plate and is nice and smooth. It wears a Weaver 2.5 by 7 variable silver scope with duplex crosshairs. It's got two magazines. They're both 10 rounds and then one 20-round magazine. It's very accurate and it's fun to shoot. So go right to competition with this rifle. It's lot number 165 and it can be yours at thegunrunner.com. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And don't forget about the Thursday Live episode, which starts every Thursday morning beginning at 10 a.m. You can find the link at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. You can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps. But really, the easiest way is just to go to the website, CowboyStatePolitics.com. 
There, you can find all of the shows as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of the program. So you don't have to trust me on any of this stuff. Do your own research. Most of everything you need is right there at the website. And don't forget, if you want to go see Sound of Freedom in Sheridan, then you need to make a post on Facebook or Twitter and tag me and Sound of Freedom. The first four posts that I see, I'm going to send you a free ticket. And now... Back to the program. When you're talking about money and the state of Wyoming, the lady you need to talk to is Wyoming State Auditor Christy Racinus. She joined me for a discussion yesterday. Here it is. Wyoming has five statewide elected officials. There's one of them that you really don't hear that much about, and it's our state auditor, Christy Racinus. So I thought I'd get her on the program and we just visit. There's been some important stuff she's done in her office. And since she doesn't get a lot of press, I thought we'd give her some. So Christy, welcome to Cowboy State Politics. Thanks, David. I'm happy to be here. So are you just not one of the troublemakers? That's why you don't get a lot of press or? <laughs> I think a good a good day for me is staying out of the press. But I would tell you that the state auditor just just by my duties and position, I, I, I definitely fly a little bit more under the radar than, than some of the other electeds. So before we get going, why don't you just introduce yourself to our listeners and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So um, I'm Christy. Uh, I am was born and raised in Wyoming. I lived in a couple different places because my dad was in oil and gas, and you know how that is. There's hirings and layoffs and a few moves, but um, primarily from Riverton, that's where where home is, where my folks are. Uh, and I went to UW, and I am actually an accountant by trade, so I'm a CPA. That's probably one of the other reasons why I like to um, stay out of the press. We generally are not known for doing things like running for office or or voluntarily going on radio programs. So. Um, I have uh, two two kids. We we love Wyoming. Wouldn't live anywhere else. Um, we do a lot of hunting, fishing, outdoors, hiking, baseball, all all the all that sort of thing. So, so this um, is your this is your second term as state auditor, yes. right? Yes. Uh, in uh, about halfway through my fifth year in this 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 job. Okay. So most people don't know. First of all, they probably don't know that we have a state auditor, even though they probably just checked a box, and they definitely don't know exactly what it is that our state auditor does. So why don't you go ahead and explain what it is exactly that you do? Absolutely. And so, yes, you generally, if I introduce myself, if I say what I do, the first the first response I get is, what? what? We, we have one of those. And then, of course, the next question is, well, what do you like audit stuff? And so state auditor is definitely a little bit of a misnomer. Um, the, the five electeds that you spoke about, of course, exist in our Constitution, but our duties are set out by statute. And an, a more accurate description for the, the, the job that I do is like a comptroller, I would say. Um, 
uh, in this role, I'm essentially the chief accountant for the state. So what does that mean? I cut the checks and keep the books. I serve as the, or my office, I should say, uh, serves as the chief payroll officer. So we cut check, we, we do payroll and all of the associated reporting and remitting taxes for all three branches, um, the National Guard, legislators, et cetera. And then also we have to maintain the uniform accounting system for the state. So if, uh, you know, probably you and most of your listeners are familiar with a product like QuickBooks, if you think about QuickBooks times 100 on steroids, that's sort of the scale of system we need to keep track of, of a behemoth organization like the state government. And then the last big statutory duty, and again, these are sort of more like the back office stuff that, that, that constituents don't necessarily see, is we produce the state's annual financial report. So just like a private business has a balance sheet and income statement, the state has, has something similar. It's called uh, something a little bit different. It's essentially how the state did and what, what our finances are, a snapshot of that we produce that once a year and it is audited and then that is up on our website as soon as we receive it so and then of course the other the other side of my job that is more public facing is then serving on the state loan and investment board the board of land commissioners the building commission and a few others the canvassing board super important but meets less often obviously so so that's sort of the more um because i'm backing up here a little bit after I tell people what I do, then the next question they ask is, so why are you elected? And that's really, uh, and then that's where those boards come in because the accounting side of it, payroll, um, the accounting system, that's, it's, it's not exactly black and white, but it's pretty black and white. There's not like, you know, Republican accounting standards and Democrat accounting standards. Oh you, you Lord, I wish there were Republican accounting standards. <laughs> But there's only one gap, you know, so so anyway, OK, that was a bunch of information. I'll stop now. You're on the slip board. Why, why don't you just first explain what that is? And then I've got another question for you. Sure. So the state loan and investment board has uh, it, it consists of the top five elected officials. We sit together as as that board and that what that board does has changed and shifted quite a bit over the decades. It uh, gives out quite a few grants to various entities. And of course, that is at the direction of the legislature. For example, the legislature passes a budget that says, okay, the slip board is going to take $10 million and and we'll give it out for grants such as this to entities such as this, you know, emergency water projects for municipalities, something like that. The other really important role that the SLIB board plays is we oversee the investments for the state of Wyoming. Of course, the treasurer is that's sort of his day to day business, right? But the SLIB board sets the overall investment policy statement for that, uh, for those those funds, and then he goes in and and actually does the work on that behind the scenes, and and, and then again, I would say we also do whatever ends up in statute or or the budget bill. And one example is when we had all this COVID funding come through, 
legislature passed a bill distributing that in a variety of ways. And one of those things was the SLIB board shall give out grants to, again, XYZ for purposes XYZ. Okay, so let's talk about that for a minute, because there was a ton of COVID money that mm-hmm. came into the state. I mean, We're, hundreds of billions is. of dollars. Still is. Yeah. yeah, still is. You related a story to me when we were talking earlier, how there were just all sorts of crazy requests for money that came in um, for, for the COVID funds. And one of them you mentioned was a, about a bowling alley. Two questions here. First, how did you handle that? I mean, all of these crazy different, perhaps superfluous requests. Second, just give me your opinion of how the state dealt with all of that, that huge amount of money that came in. Woo, this might be a longer conversation than you want to hear. So we received, we received a lot of requests and, and, and putting, sort of setting aside what folks, you know, maybe how folks feel about the pandemic, right? One way or the other, or the COVID funding, our task as the SLIB board was, here's this money, here are the parameters, get it done, right? So, so that was our task. And then we received these hundreds of requests from, from various entities. And, and like I've chatted with you before, they were absolutely not all created equal. You know, some of those would be for, okay, we, um, you know, here's, here's a very specific request for PPE that's $30,000. Here's who it goes to. Here's how much it is. Okay. Well, that's clear. We can tie it to COVID. That makes sense. And then if, then I, you know, as I've said before, we had a few more creative ones. And, and one thing that really became of issue is improving ventilation in areas, you know, whether that was COVID related or not. And so I, I do recall one and I can't, I'd have to pull my records, but something about improving ventilation in a, in a bowling alley. Um, and, and again, there, there was very little guidance at the time, but I think, I, we we had to sort of just sort of use a sniff test on some of these. That one was not funded, so that was good. Now your question, how we did overall as a state, I think is more complicated. And my my impressions are, you know, we received two gigantic pots of money. Okay, the CARES Act money that was 1.25 billion and ARPA money, and that was a little over a billion. So by the time ARPA money came in and we were actually giving it out, the, the COVID was over. And even now, the, even the official federal emergency is over. And we're, we're still trying to give out these ARPA funds. So it's awfully hard to tie anything to COVID right now. Now, that being said, there was a provision in ARPA that said, essentially, you could use ARPA dollars for water sewer projects, for for infrastructure, for our small towns and some of these smaller water districts who who are never, you know, who who simply are never going to have the type of money to to fund those things. So in that in some of those situations and again, setting setting where this money came from aside just for a moment, because I'm not saying that's not important. 
you know, getting getting some of this money out to our smallest towns, um, you know, Lusk, uh, Manville, uh, you know, all of the, these smaller towns who really need it. That that didn't, you know, that that made some sense to me. The the business programs that we pushed out in that first round of money, and I'm sure you're familiar with those. Those those went everywhere from gosh that's probably pretty legitimate to you know complete you know we know we know federally nationwide statewide we know there was fraud on those programs so it's really a mixed bag um do you think we had any fraud in wyoming oh absolutely yeah 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 i'd like to shift gears a little bit since your time in office you've had what i consider one really big accomplishment that many people probably don't even know about and that is to put our entire checkbook online so everybody can look at look at it so why don't you just talk to me for a minute about that process how you actually did that and then why it's so important totally so and i'll go back in time a little bit and sort of how we how we got here you know nothing is so inspirational as a little bit of pressure right um so when I stepped into office on day one, this this office was under a lawsuit. So essentially, day one, I step in, I'm I'm already being sued. And the reason is that there was a requester that had made a request for five years worth of spending data at that time. And that had been and I, and I know I'm saying things, you know, already, David, but that had been dragged along for a couple of years. It had gone to court. Um, you know, the office had been ordered to produce the records and then that was, okay, we'll produce the records, but we have to put every eye, every, you know, we have to put a human eye on every single one to decide if it's confidential or not. And it's going to take, you know, 486 years. So that's sort of where we stepped in. And um, when I came into office, this was January of 2019, the, the plaintiff gave us 30 days, basically said, you know, we're giving you 30 days, honey. And then like, you know, then that that's your chance. And then we're also just as mad at you for not doing anything about it. So we made this like the number one priority for our office uh, that that month. And we produced um, we actually went ahead and gave them six years worth of records because that this this had been going on so long that there was already another year that had passed. So we turned over six years worth of records. We refunded the money. I forgot to say that they had been charged like eight eight thousand dollars and paid it right and so we we refunded that and the lawsuit was dismissed um how how did we do that and this is um a little down in the weeds but i've been i've been a state employee for a long time right and sometimes i get flack for that right but i've been a, an accountant with the state and have some understanding of the accounting system and also the chart of counts and what what folks were trying to do previously is again, okay, I've got 8 million lines. I need to look through every one and see if it is confidential or not, because some payments are required by law to be confidential and you have to extract those before you turn over the other records. Well, knowing what we knew about the chart of accounts, we worked really, really hard on the chart of accounts and with our IT folks and with our, our um, legal folks to say which of these categories need to be excluded 
and how do we automate this process? So, so long story short, that's um, how we got that done. But the the real, I mean, and it's not even really a question. Should it have gone that far? Um, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So uh, that's all. And once we got that done, we, of course, people shouldn't have to sue to get public records, but to some extent, these easily accessible public records, should they even really have to ask? Or how can we how can we be more proactive? And so that's when we started the work of creating whyopen.gov, which is essentially the state's checkbook online. So that automated process, we've essentially pasted that online. So each day it pulls the previous day's expenses and add it on there. And so, and we've, we've tweaked it over the years. We continue to work to uh, improve it, but we have like rolling five years out there. So that, that's what's out there right now. So literally, if you cut a check today, it really doesn't really matter what it is. I can go on there tomorrow and say, oh, well, Christy just paid this bill. Yes, yes. Or you could go on there and say, oh, Christy got a travel reimbursement for $50 to, and it was for, for X. Um, again, with a few exceptions, if there are those, uh, you know, required to be redacted. What are some of those exceptions? Oh, uh, the one that comes to mind, some of the victim services payments are one. There's, I feel like there's statutorily one program and i'd have to fact just check this under department of workforce services that is not public and then most of the ones that are redacted are going to be things that indicate someone's oh how do i put this like medical status or 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 so so certain medicaid payments or medicare payments like if we make a Medicaid payment to a provider, that is that's public. Um, but if we make a Medicaid payment in some some way directly to a recipient, for example, a reimbursement, that is that's required to be redacted. So those are some those are a few examples. Yeah. All right. So I think I told you that you know in some counties there's there's a real problem with getting financial records. Um, things that you know should easily be one push of a button and it's emailed. Have you seen a reduction in I don't know FOIA requests or you know uh, Wyoming Public Records or what is it the Open Records Act uh, requests? Have you seen a reduction in those? So that's a little bit of a hard question because we don't have a whole lot of time before you know we got why open it up about six months after I took office. So the answer is to, to your question is, we think so. For what, what we hear from reporters and from some, some constituents are, oh yeah, I went out to Wyopen and it was great, but we don't know about the public records requests we would have gotten if it wasn't out there. But I can, I can tell you that absolutely it's reduced them. Or the other thing that has been useful, some, of, some, some more sophisticated requesters, if they're asking for very detailed things, They'll use that as a jumping off point. And so then when they end up in our office as a formal public public records request, their request is really dialed in. You know, it's it's very um, it's more refined or they have a little bit more information, which 
then makes it easy for for staff to do. So so overall, this this definitely saves the state time and money because again, they can go and look out there for any agency. You know, not not just mine, of course. Well, and I think the big problem too is you know we're all taxed to death, and you know we've all seen property taxes go up. And, you know, it's a tremendous amount of money. I think in, in Johnson County, it went up $1.8 million year over year. And so I think that there's an increased, there's, there's an increased focus on what our government is spending money on. And, you know, I, I think you and I could agree that, you know, for as small a state as Wyoming is, population-wise, we spend a tremendous amount of money. I've I've had to think in it. I've had to learn to operate in a different level of zeros in this job <laughs> than, than previous ones, without a doubt. We'll get back to State Auditor Racinus in just a second, but first, let's pay some more of my bills. Hey. It's finally summer. The sun has finally come out. The only problem now is it's in your eyes and blinding you. One of the ways that you could stop that is with a new hat from New Trend Hats. They have a wide variety of hats for both men and women, and they're a Wyoming-based company. They make those really cool baseball caps with the ponytail hole on the back of them. Perfect for summer. And ladies, I have to tell you, you look pretty cute in them, too. To get you a new hat, whether you want one with a ponytail hole on them or not, go to NewTrendHats.com. You'll find exactly what you're looking for. Summer is not just for fun. There's plenty of work to be done outside. While you're doing it, you need to really take care of your feet. And one of the best ways that you can do that is to get some socks from the Buffalo Wool Company. I have several pairs of them, and I'm absolutely addicted to them. Not only will they keep you warm in the winter, but they'll keep you cool and dry in the summer, and they're the most comfortable sock that I've ever put on my feet. So to get you a pair, go to their website, thebuffalowoolco.com. Trust me, you're not going to be disappointed. And now, the conclusion to our program. We see some of the other statewide electeds doing, you know, some lobbying of the legislature. You know, you see Secretary Gray is up in the Capitol a lot. Treasurer Meyer is there quite a bit. Do you do any of that? You know, again, I, and now I totally understand I can go lobby the, the legislature on, on, on anything, right? I think I have chose to really focus and, and dial in when I really need something and and when it's in my lane, so to speak. And and not everybody operates like that. I'm not saying it's the right or the best way. It's just sort of the way I operate. I, I guess I don't I don't I don't show up too often and then I hope once in a while when I do they listen. Like one of the things that I will be looking to do in the next several years is um you know, why open, and, and again, I can tell you the million reasons why I think it's so great, next auditor could come in and take it down in a day, right? There is no statutory requirement to do that. Um, and so one of the things I will be looking looking to do is see if we can't codify that. Um, and once it's out there, once it's in law, could it be taken out of law? Of course it could, but it's gonna be a little bit harder. 
few more. Okay, here, here more comes questions. the hardball question. Okay. So I've, I've been on a baseball kick since I went to a Rangers game. I'm but, on a baseball kick too, but I am not, I'm on a Phillies kick, not a Rangers kick. But I noticed your hat. Well, I you know, I went to the Texas Rangers game, and they're, they are the only team in Major League Baseball that is not doing any of this Pride Month woke crap. So um, I'm, a, I'm a Texas Rangers fan now. But, but here's the hardball question. There's a big difference between the state auditor's office and the Department of Audit. Yes. And it's, I, I think it's silly, but there is a difference. So first question, could you explain the difference, like why we actually have a Department of Audit and a state auditor's office? And then I've got, I've got the hardball question for you. Okay. So what, and again, recognizing that some of this went down when I was, you know, I'll tell you what I think I know. The Department of Audit, it actually does the auditing. And, you know, again, by design is supposed to be auditing municipalities, banking, that sort of thing. And they have a director that sits under the governor. And then the state auditor, like I said, auditors a little bit of a misnomer, more of a comptroller, is a more political figure on the slip board. Now, the machinations and years that have taken to get there are, are more complex, but that's, that's what our duties are now, in theory. Okay. So why haven't we had a full state audit in a really long time? So what do you mean when you say a full state audit? Okay. So there's, there, when I told a few people that you and I were going to be visiting— there was a lot of people that were really interested in hearing our conversation because there's there's a lot of talk that there's an extraordinary amount of waste in in our state mm -hmm. government and you know obviously you're the comptroller you're not the auditor but that we actually haven't had a full accounting of you know where all that money goes down to you know the level of oh I don't know like a like a professional audit that you would do for your business gotcha Okay, so now I know how to answer your question. So, and, and again, this all comes back to when, when we say, and, and I want that as well, like when we say we want to audit the state, we wanna know what's going on. So technically the audit has a, an audit every year, but that's a CPA audit. And the job of that audit is to say, your financial statements are correct and we deem these to be accurate and a, and a accurate reflection of where money has come in and where money has gone out. Now, what we do not have, as you have pointed out and constituents have pointed out, there is no comprehensive audit saying, have we, you know, give us a grade. Have we done a good job? Are we wasting money? Which is different different in and you may disagree and well i might disagree with myself in occasion <laughs> different than fraud straight out fraud is is stealing or misappropriating money or, or a variety of things but like are we doing are we being efficient are we doing the best we can with the money we've been given are we meeting the goals and outcomes that are expected of us and we absolutely do not have that anywhere. And there's a lot of, comp there's, 
I've had a lot of conversations about, you know, somebody should do that. Should you be doing that? Should we change it so the state auditor does it? And the answer is we should do it somewhere. Maybe it's me, maybe it's legislatively driven, maybe it's a state examiner, but we don't we don't have the luxury of even arguing about where it belongs yet because we do not resource that function anywhere. Does that make sense? And I think you and I have had these conversations like, you know, we're, we're talking about not a small lift um, no. and somebody has to, and I guess by somebody, I mean the, the purse strings has to care enough to say, we're going to invest in this and get it done. Um, you know, that, that could rest with management audit. That's not been a real robustly active committee. Uh, it could rest with department of audit. They, they do not have the resources to get that done. I mean, they have to focus so much on just their statutory basics. Um, could it be in my office? It absolutely could then you would have to find somebody else to do the things that I do because you can't have me, you can't have a state auditor auditing, auditing his or her own work. So well, anyway, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a, you know, audit the fed question, right? You know, we all know that there's probably some real crazy stuff happening at, at the fed. And that's why you hear, you know, a lot of people say, well, let's audit the fed. Well, you know, it's all economies of scale. So when you look at Wyoming, we do have a big, a big government. But the question is still, why hasn't that been done? And maybe the answer is simple enough. The legislature hasn't cared enough to do it. Well, and I think there's a real and this is a hard this is a hard conversation to have with folks. You can't just pull you can't just pull somebody off the street and say, OK, now you're an expert auditor and you're going to go delve in and understand audit plans and outcomes and standards and go get it done. It's it's a uh, it's something that over time, um, as as legislature has expanded their roles and the state has grown and we've added agencies. Meanwhile, we're 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 trimming back. You know, Department of Audit has been cut. Um, you know, like I said, management audit they haven't been able to keep staff. And this is not secret. I mean, this is they had a meeting a couple of weeks ago saying they can't they can't hire anybody. And when they do, they can't keep them. So it's a question of resourcing it correctly somewhere. Um, and then and then, like I said, I wish you and I could argue be like, no, it has to be with the legislature. No, it can't be with the legislature. It's got to be in the executive branch. Oh, but it can't be under the governor because that's not any like. We can't have that conversation because we don't have it existing anywhere. It's an interesting point because, you know, we all know, I mean, at, at least intuitively, we all should know that by virtue of government being government, there's there's waste and there's abuse and those things oh, do yeah. exist. You know, yeah. the, there, there was one example of, you know, in, uh, in the Department of Transportation. I heard I had one representative tell me that, Oh yeah, there's there's several people that supervise one person. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's not funny. It's not funny, but it kind <laughs> of is, funny. right? Because you have you have this a tremendous amount of money that goes to our our Department of Transportation, and here we have 
instances where there's one supervisor supervising one employee. Well, that's a clear case of of waste or I don't know if you can call it fraud, but it's clearly or waste. Just totally in inefficiencies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't I don't think that a lot of people know that like one of the goals of audit is to expose fraud potentiality, right? Are there are there yes. gaps in your system that might allow fraud? But the other one internal controls. Yep. Exactly. And but the other one is to and maybe even if it's just like a high level view but the other goal is to say, are we being efficient? Do you have instances where there is that one supervisor for that one employee? And you know, you're talking about a huge endeavor to to audit the entire state of Wyoming. And there's no um, that second goal that you talked about, like, are you being efficient with your resources? There's no national standards for that either. So somebody even somebody even has to create the measuring stick. You know, in an audit you have to have a measuring stick. And so many of us, including myself, say, I want an audit, well, of what? Well, actually what I really want is an audit of exactly how I want it. Okay, well, we've got 560,000 people and which which measuring stick do we use? So so it is, it's, I, I hate to say it's more complex than, than folks think, but as, as many things it is, it's not a, it, it absolutely can be done. Um, it would not be cheap and it's not it's not a six month effort. You know, this has to be a multi year endeavor to try to get this done through legislature and say we are that we this matters. We care and we recognize that money invested here, even if it's a lot, we believe that that saves us more money in the long run. And that's and and that's hard because you can't you can't pre prove that out. Right. Even if you sort of, even if you believe it or know it to be true, it, you can't really pre-prove it out to spend those monies. Well, and I guarantee you that that it matters to the person that had their property tax double. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And and again, there is these balance of spending money. And I'll go back to I'll go back to the example of why open that that money that website costs us money to maintain about and and I need to update the numbers but I think it's about $2500 a year. I I will go down swing and saying that is a good use of tax dollars because sometimes knowing stuff is going to go out there everybody knows you make a you make a payment it's going it's out there the next day. All and right, so, so you got but, your one you got your one big accomplishment the YO open. Um so what are you going to work on next? You got got few more years left in this term what's what's I up do, next well um oh gosh it, probably unfortunately probably nothing big and splashy is why open i mean we look we look to continue to improve that um we sure would like to somehow loop in locals with that and that's something we've talked about that that is recognizing that that's pretty aspirational but peer pressure is a beautiful thing sometimes <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, so that's one thought. Uh, like I said, I want to get some of these things codified. Um, and then there's a few again, there's a few back office things that are are certainly less exciting, but really um, could be very important. For example, uh, all state employees get paid once a month, um, which you probably knew. It's 
it's actually it's not terribly efficient it's a it's a strange way to do business so we actually have to pay for some customizations to make that happen in the system so um and that's statutory so we're actually looking in the next couple of years um again at at maybe taking a swing at a statute change to to have that be bi-monthly or and again like i said these are not these are not really super the auditor doesn't do front page flashy things, but things that are important and and hopefully in the long run make make everything run smoother overall. Well, I don't know, Christy. I mean, some of the things that happen on Y Open turn out to be big, flashy, splashy things. I know, I know. I although and, and I love I I do love I I have to tell you one more thing about Y Open. It was you know, so we put it out there and we're waiting for the huge, you know, explosion. And like, I don't think anybody went and looked at it except my mom. Yeah, <laughs> sort of like, and I, I say that tongue in cheek, right? Like everybody really loved that it was out there, but we actually didn't get that, that many hits, right? We're getting say, um, you know, a thousand hits a month, which is good in a small state, like still totally worth it. But, but going back into unintended consequences in a good way. So when we put that up, then the pandemic happened. Then those CARES money, all the all the business relief grants happened. We went up to twenty thousand hits when we pushed those out because those that that CARES business money going out on Y Open was a huge deal. Everybody wanted to know where are we spending these, you know, and that also created a path for people to report businesses that maybe we're less than legitimate, you know, like, oh, you know, your neighbor says, gosh, David just submitted a grant that he lost, you know, $300,000 on his radio show in the last five weeks. That doesn't seem quite right. I'm going to go to business council's fraud portal and put that in there, you know, and, and again, this was not, nothing was perfect. I'm not making it trying to sound too rosy, but um, it, it does, the more transparent you are, the more, efficient you end up being naturally just because how important is it for for government to be transparent oh my gosh it's so important and and the other thing i i've um i've tried to talk about this a lot to you know colleagues or municipalities and counties it's really important and it's not scary if you try to hide if you try to hide something or you maybe aren't transparent what people suspect of you is probably far worse than what's actually going on. And so really changing the attitude around public records and transparency is really important. And I, I understand, you know, like I, I mentioned, I've been a state employee for a long time. It's a little scary to get a public records request. You think you're going to screw it up. Am I going to get sued? Am I going to not say the right thing? Am I going to turn over the wrong records? But, but they're not, they're not scary. And when you make good faith efforts to provide what people are asking for, you are given a ton of grace by, and, and I can say that in this office, by 100% of the people, you know, if you say, Oh, man, that's a, give me a little time to research that I we haven't had this one before. Everybody gives you a lot of grace. And they're not scary. And if you just start by assuming 
everything's public. Like that should always be the first assumption. You start out, you get a request and you say, okay, my first assumption is this is gonna be public unless I find out something otherwise. Whereas I think a lot of folks say, how, which box can I put this in so I don't have to turn it over, you know? Um, and, and again, that can be from either, you know, anywhere from just pure bad intent to, to fear, you know, and, the, and, and we need to fix the whole gamut of that. And, and also like these public records laws, they weren't designed to make our lives easier. Like that's recognizing that is important. This is not that we're all busy. We, we you get public records requests, that's part of your job. Done, you know? <laughs> so if people want to give you a public records request or they just want to talk to you or they want, want more information, how do they get a hold of you? They should call me or email me. And the number here is 777-7831. We love public records requests. Um, now, they should also go check out whyopen.gov, you know, as a starting point too, if they want to explore around that. And again, we are we are always interested in feedback on that. You know, it's it's not perfect, but we've done our best for the cost and we are always looking for, um, you know, ways to improve that or if it's working for folks or not. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to visit with me. You're, you're welcome to come back anytime you like, or if I irritate you with a public records request, you're, you're more than welcome to come on and tell me about it. I, I love, no, I think that I really, I'm a real, I'm a real dorky accountant and I get real excited about this stuff. So I really, I love my job and whatever I can do to be helpful, I will. And, and go, go Phillies. Well, I don't know about go Phillies, but thanks again, Christy. <laughs> okay. Thanks, David. That'll do it for today's installment of the program. Have a good rest of your week. Again, don't forget about that free movie ticket giveaway in Sheridan. All you got to do is put a post up and the first four of them that I see, I'll send the ticket to you. For now, from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.